0: There was a boy called Eustace Clarence Scrub, and he almost deserved it. Some of you may be familiar with this particularly nasty English boy named Eustace, who is arguably the most interesting human character in The Voyage of the Dawn Treader by C.S. Lewis. Eustace, who has shown himself to be a rotten brat of a child, wanders off from the group when the ship, the Dawn Treader, lands on an island. He discovers a mound of treasure, and finding himself comforted by the heavy weight of the gold bracelet on his arm and the thoughts of keeping all of the money to himself, Eustace falls asleep on his mound of treasure. He wakes up there, but suddenly finds that while asleep, he was transformed into a dragon. While Eustace makes it back to the ship... And is able to convince his companions it is truly him. He is in great physical pain due to the suddenly too small bracelet on his arm. And great emotional pain when it becomes apparent that there is no way this ship can carry a dragon. Eustace will have to be left behind. Realizing that he will be left alone, Eustace starts to cry. Big salty dragon tears. In mercy and compassion, Aslan arrives and leads the dragon Eustace to a garden on top of the mountain, and then to a well at the center of the garden. Eustace looks at the well and knows if he could just get into the water, the pain in his arm would be soothed, but Aslan says he will have to be undressed first. After a moment of confusion, Eustace remembers that he is a dragon and that dragons have skins like snakes, which could be shed. With his new claws, Eustace begins tearing at his dragon skin. He peels off one layer, only to discover another nasty, scaly, and rough layer underneath. And then he peels off another. And after three layers, he realizes it's all in vain. He will never make himself clean or get rid of his pain or shed this nasty skin. Finally, Aslan offers to help Eustace. While Eustace is terrified of Aslan's claws, he is so desperate for help that he lays down and allows Aslan to help. The very first tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right into my heart. And when he began pulling the skin off, it hurt worse than anything I've ever felt. The only thing that made me able to bear it was just the pleasure of feeling the stuff peel off. Well, he peeled the beastly stuff right off, just as I thought I'd done it myself the other three times, only they hadn't hurt. And there it was, lying on the grass, only ever so much thicker and darker and more knobbly looking than the others had been. And there was I as smooth and soft as a peeled switch, and smaller than I had been. Then he caught hold of me. I didn't like that very much because I was very tender underneath now that I had no skin on. And he threw me into the water. It smarted like anything, but only for a moment. After that, it became perfectly delicious. And as soon as I started swimming and splashing, I found that all the pain had gone from my arm. And then I saw why. Why? I'd been turned into a boy again. John the Baptist has been preaching and baptizing and has developed quite the reputation. But John is quick to tell folks that he is not the Messiah, but rather that Jesus is coming. I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now, it's been a while since I've threshed some wheat, so let's revisit what happens with a winnowing fork. A winnowing fork looks a lot like a pitchfork. In the simplest winnowing, there's a big pile of grain. And one would use the winnowing fork to throw the grain into the air. The chaff, the husk around the wheat, was much lighter than the wheat itself. So the wind would carry the chaff off. Only the wheat, the good stuff that you would sell or store, would be left. It's easy to see John's final sentence about Jesus, that he is coming with his winnowing fork to sort the wheat from the chaff, as one of judgment. The whole line about unquenchable fire reminds us of the hell of Dante's Inferno. Many of us have heard this section interpreted as there are good people and there are bad people, and Jesus will judge them and sort them out. The good people will go to heaven and the bad people will go to hell. The wheat will be separated from the chaff. But this is an overly simplistic interpretation of judgment. And this is an overly simplistic way of viewing people. In our culture, once a person commits a horrible act, they are marked forever. And now, with the internet, our evil acts can follow us all the days of our lives. We are quick to sort folks into the good and the evil categories and then hold them there forever. But in Christianity, we know better. Turns out people are not all good or all bad, we are all sinners. We all have done evil things to others or to ourselves. We have all broken our relationship with God and with our community. We are all dragons. And we are all redeemable. In Luke this morning, what if John is talking not about judgment, but rather about sanctification? What if John is saying not that Jesus will save the chosen and burn the sinners, but rather that Jesus will use his winnowing fork to make us holy. What if we are not wheat or chaff? What if we are wheat and chaff? If we are wheat and chaff, if we are all made up of good and evil, Jesus can use his winnowing fork both here on earth and in the life to come to separate the good in us from the bad in us. Jesus can throw us in the air and allow the spirit, typically represented by wind and fire, to blow away and burn the chaff, the unnecessary, the corrupt, the evil parts of us. Jesus can refine us until only the good stuff, the wheat, is left. Jesus can make us holy. And this refinement, this undragoning, begins like Eustace's did, besides a pool of water. It is through the waters of baptism, through baptism in the name of God the Father, Jesus the Savior, and the Holy Spirit, the Sanctifier, that we can finally begin the process of being made holy. No one is a lost cause. No one is too far gone. No one is all chaff. We believe in a God of radical grace, mercy, and compassion. Sanctification is not a painless process, nor is it an easy one. Walking the path with God is not one that is without misstep and pain and error. Having our old sinful life stripped away from us, making the decision to choose God above all else, asking for forgiveness and making amends, these are all agonizing processes to go through. But it is also delightful to see yourself being made new, to know Jesus is creating a new creation in you each and every day. We cannot make ourselves holy without God's help. Eustace tried using his own claws to get off the thick hide of the dragon and found it was futile. He needed Aslan's help as we need God's help. But God is always ready to hear our cry. In the section we have from Isaiah today, we hear the Lord say, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. You are God's. And because he loves you so dearly, he will never give up on you. Do not fear the winnowing fork. Welcome it. Ask to be unburdened. Ask for your chaff to be separated from your wheat. Ask to be undragoned.